Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. Celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Bienvenue, mesdames et messieurs. Ce sont des films à voir avant les films du monde. Voyez-vous à ce roi? Because in the beginning, <laughs> they, go, they go to the opera. And I was like really thinking about it. I was just like, where is this from? I thought you would it's just the, say, bonjour. Just being an air hostess? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. It sounded like you were giving like flight directions. No. Okay. I was being like when you go to the theater. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been to the theater, but when you <laughs> go to the theater, uh, they do an overhead announcement, just saying "Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats." Yeah, that's, that's what true. that's what I just said. If you don't know French, like oh, Nadim and I do, thanks. <laughs> uh, how's it going, Mita? Hi, Nadim. <laughs> you know what? I'm living and breathing. Today. Are you? Today I felt oh my it. Today God. I'm living and breathing. Okay, but so it's, it's like a good living, living and breathing. You do feel lively today. <laughs> Do I feel nice? You know what? I literally just came from seeing the baby. Okay. I was helping my sister watch the baby this yeah. evening, and I think I'm just like in a good mood because I That's had so good. many cuddles and kisses. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It all it energizes this conversation. Then it really does. I probably should do that every every time, time right before we record. <laughs> yeah, because usually by like this time of night, I'm tired. Yeah, there's days where I've been like, meet the look alive. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing right now? Uh, okay, Mita, we have two things to discuss before we launch into the film. Oui, oui. The big thing that, I, in retrospect, we should have discussed in last episode, but we didn't. Yeah. But Oscar nominations came out. They did! They did! What are your thoughts? Very predictable. Yeah. I think we kind of went through it last week of, like, what we think was going to happen and what wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And pretty much everything we thought was... Did. I noticed that while I was editing the one I love, I was like, wow, we predicted everything here. We really did. We're like quite smart. Yeah. We also have seen most of the movies. Have, like, yeah. I only have, I've I've seen Licorice Pizza now. Oh. Um, we can talk about that later. But I only have Nightmare Alley left, I think. No, Drive My Car. Oh, and Drive My Car. Yeah. yeah I have those two. I have yeah. Drive My Car and Licorice Pizza. There you go. And I have to see Spencer. And the tragedy of Macbeth. So you do have more, <laughs> but in terms of best picture. Oh, okay. Yeah. I you. So you only look at best picture. Those are the ones that look. It's hard to watch all of the films, uh-huh. and like there's others like Parallel Mothers that I want to watch as well. There's those are probably the five I still need to see. Like there's like tears. I need okay. to see Drive My Car and Licorice Pizza. I really would like to see Spencer. Parallel mm-hmm. Mothers and Tragedy. Uh, and then Tragedy of Macbeth is actually, I think, the third tier. Okay. So I look at the big five and I want to watch everything that like okay. has been nominated from the big five. Which if you're not aware, the big five is best picture, no. best actor, actress, supporting actor and actress. So And director. So that's six. Oh, so then I do do the big six. Yeah. Which, yeah. So then I only have two left, which is well, then you have, actually no, quite impressive. You have Parallel Mothers as well. Three left. I have yeah. three left, which is impressive, though. That is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like, we're in the time that we're in currently. Yeah. Well, I I make sure I have Best Picture covered, and then, like, if I could get to the others, I get to the others. You move forward. Yeah. Yes. 
But I am also very happy that House of Gucci and Ridley Scott as a whole has been snubbed because I think he's just a grumpy old Even man. for Lady Gaga, though? Yeah, because I was thinking about it more when we mm-hmm. had talked about it last week. She's good in it, but it's it's such a bad movie that like I that's the one redeeming thing of this movie is that her performance is actually very strong and yeah. she does a great job. And I think I think she will eventually at least be nominated for an Oscar. I don't know if she'll ever win for acting because she really? does have one for songs. She right? already has an Oscar for um, for song. Yeah, for that documentary. Oh, was it for Shallow? Yeah, it I thought was for there was Shallow. also. What about that documentary that was about um, sexual assault? No, it didn't win. Camp? No? Oh, okay. She won for Shallow. Got you. So she does have one. I just don't know if she'll ever win one for acting, but I think she will be nominated. I think she will win one for acting. Okay. I think so. I think she's a strong enough actress, and I think she has enough respect in the industry that she'll be she'll be offered good roles, mm-hmm. and she'll do justice to them. Okay, that's fair. Like, even House of Gucci, like you're saying, I think universally... She is recognized as the best part of it. Yeah. But I just feel like as a film in its whole, like I'm having a hard time like separating. Is she actually that good in it or is this just so bad that I feel like she's really good in it? And as I mentioned last week, that would require me to watch it a second time. And I'm not going to do that. When I watch it, I guess I have to watch that too. But that's less like a requirement and more like I'm just curious. I don't want to pay for it again. I think that's what's really like bugging me so when so i rent it rent it yeah. then i will watch it with you absolutely we'll do that okay sounds yeah, good that, that makes Hallelujah. sense yeah <laughs> but yeah otherwise kind of super predictable so we'll see what oscar night brings maybe some surprises probably not i can know i can, i kind of think the power of the dog and belfast are going to split most of it i think Kirsten Dunst might surprise us i just have this she's feeling... not going to meet that and i know you, you really want to know. make Kirsten Dunst a thing She's good. She is a thing. She's been a thing since 1999. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I just really, I do. That's out of the the nominees there. That's where I want it to go. I know. In terms of those but performances. It's not going to. I, a girl can hope. Kirsten Absolutely. Dunst. I mean, she made it to the top five. Yeah. If you're listening. And it's so nice her and Jesse are nominated yeah. together. He's also no chance of winning. No, he's not going to win. I also I'm I don't want Will Smith to win. He's also like, I just going don't to win. Want it. And I want I want it to be Benedict. It's not gonna happen. I, I would prefer Benedict as well. I think actually it was the better performance, but yeah. it's going to Will Smith. Yeah, but yeah. Best actress is the only surprise left. I think. I think it could possibly go to Kristen Stewart. To Kristen. Yeah, I think so too. I'm praying it's I, I'm praying it's either Kristen or Penelope. I really don't want Nicole to have her second Oscar. I would rather like their their Olivia Ricardos. Coleman have it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I do really like her in The Lost Daughter. Yeah. So there you go. Interestingly enough, I think Nicole Kidman is the person I want to have it the least. Yeah. Because it's not It's not a good movie. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. very blah. And like, look, Nicole Kidman, like, the worst you're going to get from her is a good performance. Yeah, that's right? absolutely true. So, yeah, it's a good performance, but it's not like... It's not the Nicole we know, what she's capable of. It's not even Nicole in Big Little Lies, which was a very good performance. Very good performance, yes. And deserved all the hubbub that went around it. Mm -hmm. It's not that. We'll see. One month away. One month away. So exciting. We'll find out. But until then, we have something else to discuss, Mita. Something that might end our friendship. (laughs) Something that possibly has, and maybe I'm just (laughs) faking this right now. (laughs) So I finally got around to watching the end of End Just Like That. 
Yes. And just like that is the Sex and the City yes. reboot, if you will, if you're not aware, which we've turned this podcast into an and just like it really, that. We, we've talked about it a lot. But Izzy, why don't you tell our listeners what has your, I almost said knickers in a twist, and I don't know if that's <laughs> What has your knickers in a twist? So overall, I think my, my thoughts on And Just Like That have been, I think we've actually had very similar thoughts, but just polarizing feelings. Mm-hmm. Like overall, I think we both thought this was very passable. It wasn't yeah. very good. It no. needed a lot of work. But mm-hmm. to me, that was, I wasn't expecting more from it. I was surprised in a good way by some of it. I was surprised yeah. by the the direction it carried with Carrie's arc, especially because that first episode was, I did find surprising. And that was kind of the big thing. I did think it handled some things well and some things not well. And you had your thoughts, if you yes. want to give them quickly before we get into the thing. Okay, well, okay. So before... When I found out it was coming out, I didn't know how I quite felt about it because I didn't really like the two movies that mm. came out after the series. Especially the just, second one. I just feel like it's so unnecessary. And reboots in general, yeah. like when you bring back, I just find them so unnecessary. And it's just like, okay, it's just a cash cow for you. You like, you want to see that money coming yeah. back in. And one of the things that I really liked about the Friends like reunion that they did is the creator said like, no, we're never going to do a reunion episode because like... We ended things like in a nice way. We wrote that for a reason. We liked the way things ended. Why are we going to, you know, add more to yeah. that? Why are we going to mix things up a bit? And so I went into it with an open mind of like, okay, what are they really going to do here? What are they trying to do? And from reading all the press that was done from before it, they really did want to make up for sort of what they lacked in those the first time the series aired, mm-hmm. which was a lot of diversity and like, I think in terms of issues, they were good at covering issues, but they weren't as sensitive as they would be today. And so they wanted to make up for that kind of stuff. And I just felt like it was so forced and so pushed. And I feel like they were writing a show because they wanted to apologize, but they weren't actually looking at like, what are they apologizing for? And I just don't think that that it's it's necessary to create this to like do a reboot just so that you can say sorry. Yeah, and I I totally agree. Actually, like it's very disingenuous, mm-hmm. and like I think the thing is okay. So I read a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> <laughs> I read a BuzzFeed article on mm-hmm. the weekend, and the BuzzFeed article was essentially about how. It was trying to make comparisons with the updates that the, that and just like that did in yeah. terms of diversity, in terms of both cultural and sexual diversity, mm-hmm. the updates they did and why they shouldn't have made those updates because of the lack of diversity in the first one. So for instance, mm-hmm. Miranda is suddenly bisexual and with a non-binary person, but she doesn't believe, you know, there's this episode where she made this one joke about not believing it's a thing. For instance, yeah. like, I don't even know if that's a thing. But Bisexual that's kinda... is a step to denial. Or yeah, something or like something that. like yeah. that. That's the joke. And so essentially, the article was saying, well, you don't get to make up for things because you made us you took a stance in the first one. So it feels very disingenuous, or it feels very wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to tack this on to another BuzzFeed article I actually read today. Oh, wow. That I didn't Look discuss with me. But I know, me and BuzzFeed. They show up on my Facebook, so I read them. Okay. So there was an article published today about how three actresses in Euphoria have mm-hmm. said that 
the scenes there was they're not major characters i don't believe i think one of them might be a bit more of a major major actress on the show and okay. the other two have been side characters they were supposed to appear in nude scenes yes on the show that mm-hmm. when they got to set and they were speaking to the director Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Stephen Levinson is his name. Sam, Sam? Sam Levinson is his Barry name. Barry Levinson's son. Yes, Sam Levinson. Yeah. <laughs> when they were speaking to him, they essentially were very uncomfortable with the amount of nudity that was required. Yeah. They told him on set. He changed it right away. Mm-hmm. I essentially came to a con- came to a point with the actresses of like, what are you comfortable with? This is what we'll do. This is what we can't do. That's what yeah. happened. The article goes tries to sell it as if he's done something wrong by writing these things in the first place. Like, he shouldn't have written these nude scenes like this. He's writing too many nude scenes. Is it problematic that he's having to have these conversations? Just kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. And it's a borderline defamatory article. Because he course-corrected. Like, why are you punishing him for course course corrected? He wrote something, which is his prerogative to write something. The actresses who read it it's their prerogative to agree or not agree. They had mm-hmm. a conversation. They came to a mutual agreement. agreement. Yeah. So why is this anything? Why are we writing about why he wrote that in yeah. the first place? And then Which, some. Like, and then there's Twitter comments about like this seems problematic. Shouldn't he learn about you know if he's had this situation with two other actresses? Why is he writing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I think to me the criticism and just like that, it's kind of. The generational difference, I think, is okay, really grandma. getting to me. <laughs> yeah. I think there's no room for error, first of all. There's no room uh-huh. for mistake. And there is this overcorrectness of everything. Yeah. There's no space to, like, do things differently or not be in agreement. You do it right or you don't do it at all is kind of the mentality. And I get that. I, but my only thing is, like, and just like that made it very clear that they wanted to make things right. Like, it wasn't like, we're just making a show for fun. Like, they made it very clear in interviews and in articles that, like, the intention is, like, we know that we were missing things before and we want to bring that to your attention. But I just feel like they just sprinkled in people and didn't really think of, like, okay, we're watching these characters over, like, a. a, it's been a long time since we've seen them on television Sure, they live in this you know new world where there is more diversity yeah. and like they're you know exp- maybe their mindset has changed, but I just feel like I I need to see the work that went into these characters to have them to get that mindset change. Like I want to see them adapting to it. I think I suggested to you I like I would have liked to seen like Carrie get canceled for something and like come to the realization that oh she was problematic. Yeah. And, like, I just feel like it's really lazy to just be like, oh, you know, here's an Indian character. Here's a black character. We made up for it. Have fun, guys. Bye. Like, I just thought there was a lot of laziness there. But your your criticism is correct. Yeah. That's the difference is that your (laughs) criticism is exactly what it should be. They tried something. They failed at it. Mm -hmm. Saying that they shouldn't have tried it in the first place because of how they set it up back in the 90s is dumb. It's fair. Yeah. Like, I did... At the end of the day, like, I I didn't enjoy watching it. Like, I don't like the series. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say, like, you didn't need to do this at all. You need to, like, HBO yeah. needs to get their money back yeah. with something. Like, I think that's a little ridiculous. And I do think that there are um, people from the younger generations who are, who are you know, 
they're they're fighting a fight. I don't know if they know why they're fighting the fight, but they're doing it. That's just it, Mita. Like, what are you fighting here? Fighting for. Yeah. Yeah, because you need to, people need to be able to be forgiven. People need to be able to understand what they've done wrong. And if we just keep, it's again, like our whole thing, we hate cancel culture. If we just cancel everything, no one's going to learn, period. And people will just be stuck in their ways and it'll be a divisive world. And this notion of like this Euphoria article really bothered me today because it was kind of like, for the record, he has whatever right to write whatever he wants provided mm-hmm. that HBO is okay showing it, mm-hmm. right? Like, at the end of the day, that's that's his contract. Yeah. When he is scouting for an actress, yeah, she comes on set, having read the part, and says, I don't want to do this. It is his right to fire her. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's hired someone for a job. She signed a contract, knowing what the scene was. If she comes on and she's just like, actually, I'm not comfortable with this, uh-huh. he can say, okay, peace. How he handles it is important too. Though. Absolutely, like if he's like berating her and me like yes, you're being a dumb bitch. Absolutely, like, yeah, fire. fire. You get you fired. Get fired. Sam, but if right? you're like, listen, man, like this isn't going to work because we had an agreement and you're breaking that agreement. Yeah, but that's not even what he did. He met well, them at their terms. He said, "Hey, if that's not what you're comfortable with, what can we do?" I think there might be more to his story in particular, like just from what I've seen from TikTok. Like I <laughs> Do not do not use that as an argument. No, like I I'm hearing rumors that he maybe doesn't always he maybe isn't always so open to conversations like that with other actresses on set. Other actresses who maybe don't look the same way as the three that uh, have come forward. Okay, yeah. well see that's I don't know about that. And I know one of the actresses in particular, she's a bit bigger, and that's a part of her yeah. like, story arc and all of that. Sure, that might be a thing. Mm-hmm. And that might be a thing very well. I'm not saying yes or no, but this article does not talk about that. This article was talked por- about the three pretty girls. The three pretty girls had yeah. three reasonable conversations with this man, mm-hmm. who then altered his writing to fit them. That article should be rewritten. Maybe I should write for Buzz. Don't. It's a terrible publication. Nadine, <laughs> oh. <laughs> what if they want to sponsor us? I don't... <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Stay tuned for our BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> which host of movies to watch are you? Oh, God. Which which <laughs> cheese are you based on your movie? On opinions? your astrology yeah. sign. <laughs> Anyways, but you know what BuzzFeed probably didn't touch with a 10-foot pole because it's too intelligent for them? Amour? Amour. <laughs> I guessed right, guys. <laughs> uh, this week we watched my pick for Mita and I. Oui, oui. We watched the 2012 Academy Award winning Amour. I forgot it was Academy Award winning. It was, that. yeah. <sighs> Me not doing my homework. Exactly. Do you want to give us a quick IMDb disco? <laughs> I do. Yes. The IMDb disco mm-hmm. pour Amour <laughs> is as follows. Georges and Anne are an octogenarian couple. They are cultivated, retired music teachers. Their daughter, also a musician, lives in Britain with her family. One day, Anne has a stroke, and the couple's bond of love is severely tested. I really don't like that description. It's really long-winded. It's really long-winded. There's too many words yeah. <laughs> Really that don't long. need to be in there. But yes, that is the, the gist of Amwal. Yes. Yeah. That is the gist of Amwal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nadim, why don't you let us know <laughs> why you chose Amwal 
for me to watch specifically. specifically I want to know about me. Yeah. Mita, I'm always looking for lighthearted films for you to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not one of them. And so I <laughs> I remember seeing Amour back in 2020, 2012 when it first released. It won the Palm d'Or. It was a real big uh, movie at the time. It was in the festival circuit. was getting a lot of talk, Oscar buzz. It ended up getting nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actress, and Best Foreign Picture, which... Back in the day, pre-Parasite was a big deal for a foreign picture to have that kind of clout. Because it not only had a best picture in the top 10, it had a best director, which was in the top 5. Meaning, it was one of the top choices for best picture. Yeah, so high caliber. High caliber. I remember watching it and feeling two things. Mm. First thinking, this is such an obvious movie, why hasn't this been made before? Mm. Why haven't we ever seen this, this kind perspective of, of love? What it means for love to end. Yes. Like, why haven't we ever seen that? Mm. The other thing I remember thinking was, this is a punishing and brutal film to watch. It is probably one of the only films completely devoid of fun. There's like nothing light. There's nothing easy about this. There's nothing fun about this film. It Mm. is very hard to sit through. But it's also very rewarding. It's a beautiful, beautifully written film. It's heartbreaking to watch. It really captures, I think, I, I think we all have different definitions of what love is and what, you know, what that means. And I think Amour is one of those movies that I think captures it in the truest and purest sense. Mm-hmm. I think when films try to talk about love and like some of my favorite movies are love stories about like grandiose love and like the big gestures and things like that. Amour is about everyday love. And really what that love translates to between two people who have lived a whole life together. These are individuals in their 80s. They have a kid. They're like nearing the end of their lives and what that Mm -hmm. love looks like. I think this is such a wonderfully made film. It's such a mature film. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on something like this. Because it it is not what you think it's going to be for a love story especially. This destroyed me. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I had such a difficult time watching it. And it's exactly what you said, but I think what's also, I I thought what you found of saying, like, this is, why hasn't this been made before? Why hasn't this idea of love been explored before? And it's because when I was watching it, I could relate to some of it from things that have happened in my like personal mm-hmm. life with my family and with my grandparents. Yeah. And I could fully relate to it in that sense. And also was thinking like, why would anyone want to relive this kind of pain mm-hmm. in their own lives? And I think that kind of answers your question of like, why, why? hasn't yeah. this been made before? Because it was so difficult to sit through. And I was really mad at you. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm Still a little bit mad about it, if I'm being perfectly honest, because it's just so it explores love. And it's nice to see those emotions there, to see George take care of Anne and to be in love with his wife and to understand that. But it's so polarizing what you're watching and like having had personal experiences Mm -hmm. that are similar or 
at least in the same vein of like my grandmother suffered from many strokes over her lifetime mm-hmm. and like watching, you know, my my parents and, you know, my parents' siblings take care of mm-hmm. her. Like that's just very difficult to watch and to observe. And like it's hard when your own grandma doesn't remember like which granddaughter you yeah. are and might confuse you with somebody else because she also suffered from dementia. But being watching all sorry it's really hard to talk about oh, wow. <laughs> this destroyed me it really did you asked before you started watching is this movie going to make me cry and i was just like maybe it did <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that i also was not in that mindset <laughs> like oh, this man. time of the year in the winter i don't like to live in my own sorrow and i think there's a time and a place yeah there's definitely a time when you can be like i need to watch something sad i need to live through something sad and this was like not the time and the place for me yeah. at the moment and so it was just extremely difficult to watch but i do feel like if you are able to watch this and you you know you do want something that is going to be moving the still this movie is very simple it's a very yes. simple plot it's very but it's done perfectly and it explains things so well without having like i think a poorer film a lesser film would have tried to make something grandiose out of it and would have tried to like done more but this is just what it is there's a lot of like silence in this movie there's a lot of like sitting with your actual emotion and like absorbing the what's being told to you and a lesser film would have had much more dialogue or would have had, you know, more music in the background of like what's happening or created a score that's trying to tell you how to feel. This just speaks for itself. And that I appreciate about it. Yeah. I'm still having a hard time wrapping up like whether I like this or not that's just fair. because of because of the emotion that it drawn out of me. And like, I just wasn't ready mm-hmm. to process that. So I want to give a warning to people if they're <laughs> going to watch this. You might cry. You might feel like there's no hope. But then... I'd, that's interesting because I don't necessarily feel like there's no hope. Maybe I'm just like in a different mindset. No, and it's, like... Well, it's also interesting that you mentioned your own grandmother because... So when I watched this in 2012, my mm-hmm. my maternal grandmother was still alive and she was actually quite healthy at the time. And I'm going to go into a story, and you can go into details if you choose to. Yeah. What happened in 2016 was she she was in the Middle East with my aunt, and she had a, they were headed to the airport, and she fell and broke her, mm-hmm. shattered her hip. Mm-hmm. Shattered her hip. Traveled to India with a broken hip. This woman, like, endured a lot in her life, and she was... She was very graceful with her, mm-hmm. how she de- dealt with things. So she traveled to India with a broken hip and then was essentially bedridden for two months. And it was established that she needed to come back here because my uncle is a doctor in Edmonton. My sister is a doctor here. My wife is a physiotherapist and my mom lives here. So it was established that she would come live with my mom because it just made the most sense. There was the most support here. So someone had to go get her and that someone ended up being me. So I flew to India. We were actually working together at this time. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I flew to India. When did you go to India when we worked? You might have actually already moved to Toronto at this time. It was 2016. 2016, yeah, yeah, I did. So it was right around that time. So anyways, I flew to India to pick her up. And I remember getting there and being like, she was bedridden and she was barely mobile. And in India, you can afford help. 
It's really mm-hmm. easy to pay for nurses and things, but she was going to come back to my parents' place. So I traveled with my grandmother 36 hours on an international flight. This woman had a broken hip and essentially brought her here. And I say to my wife, I say to my family, only God and me know how that trip was because it was actually quite difficult. It mm-hmm. That entire... That entire trip was quite hard. And I specifically remember this one time when we, we stopped in Frankfurt and she, my, my grandmother was in like diapers. She was like a two-person assist to go to the bathroom. So the only way for her to be comfortable was to her to be in a diaper and to her have it changed. So I researched it and the Frankfurt airport has a hospital attached to it that you can get this stuff done in. I like arranged it ahead of time. I took her there. To get this done, and one of the nurses was a male. And she was a woman in her 80s who had a very conservative upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I remember when she went to change the diaper and when she came back, part of her had died. The entire journey was one of the most emotional and emotionally like grueling experiences I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Making sure she was okay and comfortable and... Because she would never say anything. And that was the other problem is that like she didn't really communicate how she felt. So we got here. My parents installed like a stair lift in their house so that she could go up and down. My wife and I moved into the house. We got to the airport and my wife's like, we have to move back in with your parents. Because she's in way worse shape than anyone anticipated. My sister was also getting married in four months at this time. So things were like quite bad. And so the family essentially paid for two nurses to come twice a day to help her bathe, to change her. She was completely bedridden. She would, My wife would do exercises with her and things like that. But all this to say that when I was watching this this time, the reality of what I was watching on screen, I had experienced in my own life. And it was so... Those feelings that Anne feels of like that loss of like control and like she doesn't want to look pretty. She doesn't really care anymore. She wants to die. My grandmother yeah. never said those things, but you could tell. You know, you what, know they're what they're feeling. Thinking. That loss of autonomy and that loss of dignity. Yeah. I felt it's that. Hard. It's hard. And I remember the day of my sister's wedding, the day of the wedding, my sister, my wife, my mother are at the hall getting ready. And I was at the house. And my grandmother was there and a nurse was like with her all day, essentially. And my grandmother had an accident. Mm-hmm. And my cousin, my cousin from my dad's side, who isn't related to my grandmother, helped the nurse change her, bathe her, get her ready, and brought her to the wedding. My grandmother was the one who always, like, was concerned about my sisters get- getting married. And she was the one, I think, who could enjoy it the least. It was just a very emotional it's thing. That, it's hard yeah. to see that. And she deteriorated just, she deteriorated quite a lot by the end. She just wasn't the same person when she passed. My mom was there in the room when my grandmother passed away. Like mm-hmm. it was her, my grandmother, and my uncle's like maid who were there. And the things in this movie felt so true to form that I had a different appreciation while watching it because I think, I don't think movies can capture real life that well like the emotion the innate emotion that you experience this movie made me feel all those things all over again and her performance Mm -hmm. Emmanuel Riva like being able to show how you feel without doing anything that's remarkable how do you 
like I couldn't wrap my mind around that watching her. Like, how do you physically like even the noises that yeah. she makes? And she does not have very much to no. to say in this movie. Yeah. But there's you do hear like her moaning and like out of sheer pain. Yeah. It's just like how do you like? It reminded me a little bit of like when we watched Midsummer and yeah. like you hear Florence Pugh just like scream yeah. crying. I don't know how you get that physically out mm. unless you're in that kind of like yeah. excruciating pain and it is a really amazing performance to watch it's just so difficult to like experience yeah. and i do think that like this is academy award like worthy it's just really interesting to me that people have responded so promisingly to this yeah because that is of how very hard it is yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's it's gut wrenching and it's it it destroyed me <laughs> in that time. I had to like watch something happy immediately after. Did you watch that because Thirty Rock. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just put on a random episode yeah. of Thirty Rock because I just needed something stupid funny to yeah. like to um, get a smile out because I just. One, I watched it alone, which like I actually kind of think maybe you should watch it with somebody. Yeah. Because it's scary to have those thoughts and feelings by yourself. Yeah. And it's it's depressing. I watched it alone. I watched it like in the night. I would have rather watched this during the daytime. <laughs> These are my pointers for you yeah. if you're thinking about watching this. Like watch it during the daytime. <laughs> Don't yeah. watch it alone. It's kind of, it's in a way like this is really what like a horror film should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't know why we don't. It's odd to me that, like, we approach horror as more of, like, this cheesy, like, like, we just watched Scream together. Yeah. And, like, it was so entertaining. Yeah. And it was so, like, like, I wouldn't, I don't find the scenarios that happen in Scream 5 to be, like, threatening to me or, like, very frightening or something I would never want to, like, I I mean, I wouldn't want to experience, but, like, it didn't enact the emotion that this film does. And I think... Like, we need to rethink how we think of genres yeah. because, like, this – I my, one of my notes was, like, this is a real-life horror film. Yeah. I think okay. one of the other reasons you feel that way – and correct me if I'm wrong – I just think her parents are also older. They're nearing this mm. kind of, like, point in their lives where yeah. – I think – I've never seen a movie that discusses death this way. Mm. Like, especially when you talk about even people of old age who die in film. They always die with grace. They always die with dignity. They always yeah, they're die. on their deathbed surrounded yeah, by loved yeah, ones. Exactly. Yeah. And it's always so picturesque and beautiful in many ways. Yeah. But this is actually what it is. Or they're like either somebody's gonna avenge their death. Yeah. Like they were murdered or something, yeah. right? Something like that. But that's actually not the case. This is actually what it is. And this is more likely to be what happens. And I think the other things that I find interesting are how frustrating George becomes to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Right, his inability to kind of let go and let her kind of take control and mm-hmm. like do what's best those conversations of like we should put her in her home and you know him saying well i'm not going to do no, that i promised her yeah i promised her it's exact. i remember we had that conversation about my grandmother and where we were like home is the best option and my dad was like a home will literally kill her it's like it wasn't it was like yes theoretically speaking it is the best option emotionally yeah. speaking it will destroy her it'll be that bad yeah and like these are these are real i think it's when i watch it now these are real conversations i've experienced in my life i've had around me and so when i watch this 
I have a complete, like when I watched it the first time, I remember being like very impressed by how it's made and impressed mm-hmm. by how true to form it was. And now I'm just impressed by how accurate it is. I don't know how you, how you get to that. Like, that's what I think is really remarkable about this is like the rest- there It's so simple and there's so much restraint. Yeah. Hollywood would destroy this. Like this could only be made by a European by French people, yeah. Filmmaker. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 Or yeah. Like it just would be terrible. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so you're <laughs> still you're time. still having like a bit of an emotional reaction. So to it? here I'll give I'll give you some context. Yeah. The week I watched this, I had some homework with my therapist. Oh, okay. And my homework with my therapist was to write out a loss graph um so to like think back to anything in my lifetime from like from the youngest age that i can remember till now Mm. of when i've i've experienced great loss and what i look yeah (laughs) this is like the worst you think the worst (laughs) timing for me to watch this and i realized when making this graph like from the age of 12 i've had a lot of people in my life yeah. pass away and maybe I, I'm, I'm very much, I don't, I'm going so deep here. Yeah. I'm a compartmentalizer. Yeah. And so maybe I never like went deep inside myself to like actually experience those things, but writing it down and like actually having the visual of like at 12, this person died at 13, this person died at 14, this person died at 15, this person died. Yeah. Like actually seeing the last, I started it at 12. So it's the last like, 17 years of my life I've had experienced a lot of death and I wrote that then two hours later after like discussing it with my therapist I watched this so that's a lot (laughs) it was a lot it was a lot for a Saturday (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot I did not realize (laughs) well I didn't tell you no you you didn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) kind of wish you had so I could have been like don't watch this today I mean I didn't know what it was about exactly like i thought you know from looking at the pictures and from what you've told me before i thought it was a more romantic film if anything like this this is about love and it i would maybe categorize it under romance but it's not romantic yes yeah yeah i think there's a difference there because you do really like you can feel the love that charles and anne have for each other it is very palpable and even her daughter you can feel that love too because she's just looking at it from a different point of view she's saying like logistically what is best for my mother here where george is thinking more with his heart than his head and it is a romance film and that and so i thought I going into it, I thought it was just going to be like this old elderly couple. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was yeah. going to be like the beginning of Up, which I could like handle. <laughs> <laughs> which is also it, in and of itself emotional. It is right, and that's an emotion that I could you know handle in that yeah. moment. But watching this and not knowing, and then having it to experience it yeah. was. I did pause it quite a bit. I had to like take some breaks in between too. Yeah, because I will say that it's a lot of movie. It's a lot of, it's over two hours. Yeah, two hours. It comes at you very consistently and Mm -hmm. in long, uncut scenes. It's a slow burn. And you know where it's going. Any other way. Exactly. And you know exactly where it's going. Yes. There's no twist. It's a very well made movie. No, there's no twist in this at all. There's no like shock and awe. No. Like, you know, the second you, you know, you realize she's experienced a stroke. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is where this is going. Yeah. 
this ain't gonna be pretty so yeah it was just a lot to take in for that time so let me ask you then considering that's the experience that you had and considering how Mm -hmm. like visceral a reaction i don't think you've had that kind of reaction to anything we've watched before of like almost Mm -hmm. all hundred movies we've watched how does that make you feel about the film that it was able to incite that in you so the last time i've had a visceral reaction like this was when i i went and saw what's the mr rogers film the newer beautiful day in the neighborhood uh, yeah with tom hanks really i did that's when I realized that, like, maybe I should go into therapy. Okay. Like, watching that character realize, yeah. maybe I should go into therapy. It Im- invoked a lot of emotion out of me, too. And I actually did cry in the movie theater, like, watching it. And I had that emotion. It took me some time. Like, at the moment, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I crying? Yeah. And same with this. Like, why am I putting myself through this? For this, it was like, oh, I have, have to, to watch yeah. it because, like, it's homework. And I have to finish this and I have to be able to speak to something. Yeah. I can't just show up to the recording. Like, I didn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, I didn't watch yeah. it. <laughs> I didn't do my homework yeah. or like my dog ate it or yeah. something. And so I had to put myself through that. And when I watched It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, it took me some time. But I am I was so glad that I saw that. And I'm still very glad that I've seen that movie and I've got to have that experience because something good did come out of it. And so for this, I think it was just a lot of emotion of that for that day for me to handle and still is. It's almost a week later and I'm still just kind of like processing through it and chugging along. And I think in time, I will be glad that I, you know, it's interesting though, because like as I'm saying it, I'm also thinking, like, did I need to experience this? Because I've seen it in real life. Did I need to put myself through this? Because, like, I Mm -hmm. do know what these feelings are. Did I really need to feel those feelings in that moment? Maybe, you know, in a couple weeks. I think you should ask me again in, like, a month. Sure. How do I feel about it? Because, like, right now, I'm still very upset. Okay. I didn't want to. Relive To experience. Yeah. I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. Sorry, Nadim, but... No, man. Like, I didn't know (laughs) if I had known what had happened in your therapy session, I might have advised against that. (laughs) Not supposed to shoot. No, I know, but I'm just saying that maybe when... Maybe I shouldn't... Next time I'll tell you when I'm going. Yeah, maybe maybe just that. My next appointment is on March. (laughs) (laughs) And I can just be like, hey, maybe avoid watching this movie around Maybe you should join us in my therapy (laughs) session so you're aware of what we're discussing. Also, therapy is normal. Go do it if you need to. I see a therapist regularly. (laughs) And I'll see a therapist, and I'll be honest, that there are movies that... Movies actually are a big part of my therapy sessions because Mm -hmm. they're a big part of my life. And there are movies that bring up a lot of things for me. Yeah. But when I think that way, when I think... I, I don't talk about movies that I hate or I'm indifferent about in therapy or even movies that I recommend to you or even movies that I bring here they are movies that have had some impact on me and have given me a lasting impression Mm -hmm. and this is the lasting impression I take away from Amour is not is not that this is what death looks like Mm -hmm. I think it's more there is a different way that you can make a love story that's a really smart way of looking at it because what i will also say is like this isn't what all death looks like no, like isn't. the one thing i've noticed from doing my lost grass <laughs> is that 
death comes in all different shapes yeah. and sizes. And the experience you have with it are, are different too, depending on circumstance. So for me, like this was very emotional, but you know, for somebody who maybe who has experienced it, maybe, you know, this is actually something that they can delight in a little bit because like they're, they're able to relate to it. They're able to see something out of it. And like, they've had a good, I don't know if you necessarily will have like a good experience out of experiencing something like this, but maybe you're, you're able to actually relate to something because you're right in that, like, why haven't we seen this before? Because this is something that people can relate to. Yeah. And like, that is one of the best things about entertainment and movies is that, you know, you can find something in them. I also think you might not necessarily like walk away with it and be like, oh my God, that was so relatable. But <laughs> like, I don't think that'll necessarily be it. I do mm-hmm. think there's a space for this to provide catharsis to people. Yeah. To be a very cathartic experience, to be a very, a moment of, death is so confusing. And I think people who especially, I think, watch people deteriorate like this, Mm -hmm. it can feel very isolating as well. And so Mm -hmm. while your your feeling of like, I don't know if I needed to see this, I think there, there are people out there who need to know that their experience was not in void. Yeah. Like it wasn't an isolated experience. This does happen. And it's, it is a, I think that while at the end of the day, Amour is a tough movie to sit through and it's very sad. Yeah. The, the prevailing feeling is about how much George loved Anna. Yeah. Right? Like that is at the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's the takeaway is that, and it maybe isn't the takeaway, like the obvious takeaway. The obvious takeaway might be like, oh, we're all going to die and it's going to be brutal. But I think hidden amongst that is that true love has many forms. And real mm. love in real life looks different. And I think that mm. I think to me that's why it's such a big like this is such an important film, is because I feel like as a moviegoer and as a film lover, love has one way. It looks one way. Yeah. It really is one way. And like we just finished Valentine's Day, which I loathe, which really bastardizes and kills what romance I think is. And this is this is what romance is. This is a life with someone. And this is how that life, the end of that life with someone looks. How do you capture 40, 50 years of romance between someone? You have them sitting down at breakfast, being able to have a normal conversation. That is also miraculous. How how do you capture that? Because she has her stroke very early on. But by the time that stroke happens, you can tell these people have a history. Yeah. That's just even how they're interacting after coming yeah. home from the opera. Like, yeah. was it an opera or a musical performance? It was what a musical performance of one of her students. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I did have one positive. Yes. Ex- go on. Like, one positive note from it. because Well, and it, it gets a little deep. Mm-hmm. So, as the rest of this episode has. Just letting you know. But so my grandmother had suffered from multiple strokes and then dementia mm-hmm. um, and had suffered from for a very long time. Like, I think the first stroke was 2002. Two, yeah, my eleventh birthday, so two thousand two, and and she passed away in twenty thirteen, and like having to go through you know those years of watching her suffer and like having different caretakers come in and seeing my my mother and her siblings kind of discuss and maybe not always agree with like yeah. what care should look like, you know, was really tough. And when she passed away, we were all not excited but just like happy that her suffering was over that she was able to move on and she was older 
And, you know, one of the things my mom said was that she never wanted to suffer like her own mother did. Yeah. And then six months later, my mom passed away. And when she passed away, it wasn't prolonged. It was just very quick. It was in a week of her not feeling well did she pass away. And like the one thing I did get to take away from this was like at least my mom didn't have to go through like what Anne did. Yeah. And like that was her hope. And so that was my one positive note from watching this movie. Well, I'm glad it could at least do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm glad it could at least give you a little, you know, that perspective on that mm -hmm. experience, if nothing else. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to segue to that. You did it perfect. That's the exact way we should do it. I love that. Thank you for that, Nadim. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it would be really interesting to see their love story from the start. Yeah. But I don't want Hollywood to do that. <laughs> I want, yeah. yeah, like I kind of want, like as, it's like you said, when we meet them, we know, oh, we know they've been in love for yeah. years. But I think that, you know, the telling of a marriage is a really interesting thing. And like we kind of, you know, see them, we admire them. We adore that they're this like elderly married yeah. couple. But like, what were those first few years yeah. actually like? What was it like having a baby, having a newborn? I think having now like witness it from yes, like my from sister's perspective. Yeah. yeah. It's it's totally different than what I ever thought it would be or what the movies show it yeah. to be. And so I think um, it would be really interesting for Mikhail Hanukkah? Hanukkah? Hanukkah, yeah. Hanukkah. Um, or Hanke? I don't know. Hanke? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm I should have looked it up. No, it's Hanke, but I don't know how to pronounce Hanke. it. Like, okay. Yeah. It would be interesting to see his perspective because I did find the perspective of this very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know more about that. And I kind of, I want to know more about their daughter too. Okay. What's her life in Britain like? Yeah. She has one kid in boarding school. The other kid like doesn't know what they want to do with their mm -hmm. life. There seems to be a significant age difference between the two kids. Yeah. So yeah. There's a story there. there. Yeah, maybe. I will go into my rating and then... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go cry. <laughs> and then you can gather yourself and then give yeah. me your rating. Okay, thanks. <laughs> there is a reason this has been our most serious episode and will probably <laughs> stay our most serious episode because mm -hmm. this is a really hard movie. This is a really tough mm -hmm. movie and there are movies about like... I have a couple of movies about abortion I might include. And this is still the most serious movie that you'll watch. You're so tough. <laughs> I'm all about the fun with my choices. Mm. But this is still the most serious because this is the most true to form in more ways than I think documentaries kind of are because documentaries often capture... They're not about the everyday stories. You're never going to see a documentary about a real couple and how one of them dies. Do you know what I mean? They're kind of about mm. the extraordinary in the real life. And so this is the closest thing you'll find to what that real life experience feels like. Yeah, peppered in with like the symbolism of a pigeon and like things like that. But it's the truest, it is the, the closest thing to reality you'll get. And that is that realization while you're watching that like, oh, I'm watching what could be someone's real life. That is what makes this so punishing and so cruel to watch. 
But at the end of the day, I do think for two reasons, this is a movie everyone should watch. A, because everyone should know that this is what it looks like at what the end. Like? Yeah. yeah. That it might not be like this for you. And I hope it isn't like this for you and your loved ones. But it is like this for a lot of people. It's hard. And you probably know somebody you, that yeah, this was like for. Exactly. You definitely know someone who this was like for. And that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. On the other end, this is also what love looks like. This is really what true to form like real down-to-earth love looks like this is it if your parents are you know still together for instance and they like love each other like my parents are still happily married Mm -hmm. that feeling that I got from I get from them is the feeling I see in Anna and George and so it feels Mm -hmm. very like true to form what people look like once they're like really aged and once they they really care for each other because even when they can't stand each other they they love each other even when she's like refusing to drink the water and he slaps her in the face because the frustration of the ex- the experience that they're going through, you feel so sorry for both of them in that scene because you get it. You, you uh, truly understand how she feels and he feels. And it's heartbreaking that like, this is just what it is for these people right now. Mm. This movie is also full of like some super pretentious shit. I will say that. This director, Michael Hanke is very confident in his filmmaking and as a result puts in just things where I'm just like, you know, the pigeon. There's just things in this movie that are yeah. kind of like really movie. And, Did you need that? Yeah, like there's really just things that it's kind of like, okay. But I do think they're all forgivable at the end of the day because this is a, it's a difficult movie to make and it's a difficult mm. movie to make well and he does it very gracefully. Mm. It is extremely hard to watch though. So while I do highly recommend it, I do maybe listen to Mita's, what Mita has said, because her experience was different, but I still would give this four stars. Four for Nazim. Okay. Um, so I'm not the kind of, I don't know if I necessarily like believe in trigger warnings. Yeah. But I, cause I, at the same time, like as much as this was so hard for me to watch, I also don't want that trigger warning. Like I, as a person don't need trigger warnings like let me experience what i want to experience Mm -hmm. but if you're the kind of person that needs a trigger warning and like it's going to be hard for you to watch something that deals so realistically with death taking care of an elderly person and like love even then don't watch this or watch it with somebody watch it in a space that you feel safe yeah for the most part because this was you know, I've explained it was very difficult yeah. for me to watch. Even beyond, like, if I took away my own personal experience and, like, what I had been going through through that week and, like, what I had been working on, it is still very difficult to watch. And, like, it's hard to experience. It's hard to experience, period. That doesn't mean that this is not a good movie, though. Like, it is beautifully made. It tells a story beautifully as well. And it's a story that isn't heard very often. Mm-hmm. Or at least you'll hear about something in passing and you'll say something like, oh, that's sad. Or like, I feel so bad for them. Or how are they able to, like, have the strength to do that? It's very sort of passe. Yeah. And there isn't really any depth there or any kind of, like, emotion that's being pulled out from you. And I just want yeah. to say romanticized. Yes. And this does strip it of that romanticism. Yes. Because the lesser film would show us this, but then they would show us George yeah. falling in love with somebody else like years later. Or the, the silver lining yeah. would be very apparent. And like, that's not here. 
and that's not necessary in film. And I think we do need more movies like this that can naturally withdraw raw emotion from people the way like it has for me. Because I like watching movies to feel something. Whether it's, you know, a sad emotion or happy or something in between, I do want to feel something when I watch something. And I definitely (laughs) felt something watching this. And I think that that is so, it's important to also feel a range of emotion as well. And so while like this is difficult to watch sometimes, it's also necessary. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you did pick this. I know I kind of go in on this field like this was just not yeah. the right place, right time for me. But I am glad that I've experienced it. Is it something that I would yeah. experience again? Mm-hmm. Probably not <laughs> because of how difficult it was. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it again. But I will give it three and a half stars because Emmanuel Riva. Yeah, I don't know how you physically how she physically was capable of like doing this role and because of how realistic it is like i have seen the mm-hmm. her her facial expressions her noises her physicality life, i have yeah. witnessed this in real life and i don't know how to how you can mimic that like i'm it's so hard for me to like wrap my mind around like how does that actually go and the other thing is you know the people surrounding her when people think about People in these kind of situations, they think that everyone's life must be uh-huh. miserable. They must be crying all the time. They and you can't when you're yeah. going through this. You don't have the time to like to yeah. stand there and cry about what's happening in your life. And these people are continuous continuing to live and to be normal, yeah, or whatever normal means. And it's just very. It's really amazing to me to like see that represented on screen. I'm giving it a three and a half because my emotions are still like going through it. It's also like, I don't know if it necessarily needs to be two hours and 15 minutes, but I'm that's my yeah. <laughs> say for most movies. I think you can still have the same effect in an hour and 45 that you have in the two hours and 15 that this is. And like, I think that there could be some editing that's done there. So I'm going to go with a solid three and a half. Watch it if you need to feel something and you feel safe to feel it. I will say that this is actually only the second time I've seen it. And I felt as strongly about it as I watched it the Mm -hmm. first time. But it's not a movie that you're like, I feel like watching a more tonight. (laughs) Right? Like, there's no, it's never going to happen. Like, there's really, I'll, I'll, I have this movie and I'll show it to my kids in the future to be like, hey, this is a beautiful, important film, but it's hard to watch. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I, I, like, I have no desire sit and watch it and th- this isn't something like Lincoln which I just find like flat out boring even though I can respect it as a movie this I actually quite like it's this I like boring, I actually very yeah. much enjoy watching this to some degree as well because I admire so much about it but it's just hard to sit through because you you won't see another movie like this and you shouldn't. No. Like, I think we don't need no. a ton of different amours. <laughs> we can just have amour and, like, and be fine with it. Well, Mita, yeah. that was um, way more emotion than <laughs> I thought was going to come out of this, to be quite sorry. honest. Sorry. <laughs> but no, don't be. I. You know what? I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, you really be. shouldn't yeah. be. And I'm, I'm kind of honored that you felt, like, comfortable enough sharing that information and, like, talking about that because... A good movie, I think, elicits Those that kind, kind of, of responses. Yeah, like if this was a shitty movie about death, then 
I think you'd just be angry about it. But the fact is, is that it got under your skin. It made you feel things. That is testament to, A, it being a good movie. Yeah. And that you felt comfortable enough to share. You know, I I appreciate that. And so do our listeners. Scream 5 didn't make me <laughs> feel that way, so. Uh, okay, Mitha. What lighthearted film are we watching next week? Okay, so we are going to, before I tell you, yes, we yes, have to yes. play the game. Yeah. Nadim, it's time for different characters, same, same world. But up. Yep. Okay. So this one is difficult for me to, I don't think you're going to get it. Okay. It was difficult for me to pull actors. Okay. So one of them is an actor in the film and two of them are characters from the director of this film's previous films. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. The names are Fiona Anderson. Yeah, okay. Nabby Adams and Margot. Just Margot. Just Margot with a T. Margot. Margot. <laughs> Can I? Okay. Your timer starts now. All women, right? Yeah. All female characters. Yeah. Fiona Henderson? Fiona Anderson. Anderson. Fiona Anderson. Am I going to know? Like, should I know one of these? You should know Fiona Anderson. But you might not remember it. But you'll know it once you figure out what it is. Okay. Margot. Margot. You have 30 seconds. It's not Carrie Coon, is it? No. That's Margot. And yeah, and she goes by Go. Go, yeah. (laughs) 20 seconds left. Give me the actresses and then we'll see. Okay. Like, do I wait? No, we wait it out. We do it on the right way. Okay, hold on. And 10 seconds left. Okay. 10 seconds takes a long time. Nabby Adams. I've no, that sounds new. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So timer's up. Okay. Actresses are Julie Christie. Okay. But remember, two of them are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Julie Christie, Michelle Williams, and Sarah Polly. Yeah, I'm not going to get this. Okay. So Fiona Anderson is. Uh, Julie Christie in Away With Her. Oh, okay. Which is directed by Sarah, Sarah Polly. Michelle Williams is Margot in Take This Waltz, okay. which is directed by Sarah, Sarah Polly. Nabby Adams is Sarah Polly in John Adams, the like HBO yes. miniseries okay. that there was. So, we're watching what something like Sarah Polly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So we're watching <laughs> Stories We Tell, which okay. is a documentary that Sarah Polly made. Okay. Yeah. I don't... Do you know... Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I don't know much detail about it. I don't want you to look up anything. Okay. Please stay anonymous towards it. am I it. watching it? You're going to have to rent it. Okay. That's yeah. But it's called Stories We Tell, and it's a documentary done by Canadian oh. actor-director... Sarah Polly. So okay. we got some representation. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We're okay. Canadian in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know. That's why this is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's for next week then. That is for next week. Yeah. Do you have any parting words yeah. for this really happy episode? I, I Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, you got some parting words. Things will go on 
and then one day it will all be over. Hmm. <laughs> what a lion. Uh, okay, I need to go watch something fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we promise our other episodes will be way more entertaining than this one. <laughs> See you next week for the stories we tell. Just stories. Just we stories tell. we tell. Okay, Not stories. the stories. Not the stories. stories. Just stories. Stories we tell. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>